Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists, and food makers, farmers, authors, and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio and seasons eatings to you. This show brings you fresh ingredients, recipes, and kitchen wisdom from a bevy of celebrity chefs, authors, culinary experts, artisans, winemakers, mixologists, and more. Yes, we cover it all to feed your soul, and I am grateful that you've tuned in. This is true culinary exploration every weekend. I'm all about delectable dishes and exquisite gastronomic experiences. So if it's rich or savory or just downright delicious, you are going to hear about it here. I love comfort food this time of year. And of course, Thanksgiving is just a few days away. I have a collage of recipes free to you at chefjamie.com. So please steal them. Last week, I talked about a flat-out turkey. That's what I call my spatchcocked turkey, although everybody giggles at that word. I, I do a make-ahead gravy and what I think are the most marvelous mashed potatoes. So once again, you'll find recipes and lots of holiday cheer at chefjamie.com. Please check it out. On Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you'll find my daily dish at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I hope you'll become a friend and a fan. And I hope that you will stay tuned because coming up this hour, we have lots of fabulous food in your radio. Thanksgiving is a high stakes game, right? Uh, You need to cover all the classics, try some new things, make sure it all comes out perfectly. And so I'm bringing you a roundup of reliable ideas throughout this holiday season to ensure that you have a delectable feast. And when you're planning the ultimate feast, I think there has to be a vegetable on the table for Thanksgiving. The rest of it can be carb overload, of course. The ultimate brie mac and cheese, butternut squash lasagna, some beautiful pumpkin yoki. Oh yes, could be wild rice with acorn squash. And of course you need sweet potatoes, mashed potatoes, and a mix thereof. If turkey is gracing your table, maybe it's duck or a beautiful big roast. Well then kudos to you. Uh, And I do have, by the way, a salad idea for tea day. I know, don't faint. But Truth be told, there is always room for a little crunch and freshness. So stay tuned before the end of the hour. It's a three ingredient salad love, I call it. But I like to start this show off with a tutorial of sorts to make you the best cook you know. And I'd like to know who wants to share some Brussels sprouts love. I know that many of you adore Brussels sprouts. I do. And similar to cilantro, and I think it's a very good comparison, you either love them or you don't, right? But I thought that I would take the next few minutes to reaffirm your wintry desire for the hearty vegetable 
And it's roasted goodness, really. It comes from the cabbage family. So if you're a coleslaw lover, then you can be a Brussels sprouts convert. And we've all seen Brussels sprouts for a long time now trending in restaurants. But I have to tell you, the trend goes on. The Brussels sprout, interestingly enough, is the American vegetable villain, right? This role used to be played by spinach until Popeye rescued it in the 1930s. And then came broccoli, loathed by the first President Bush. But the Brussels sprout has retained its popularity. And if you cook them properly, they can taste remarkably good. Now, caramelized and golden, P.S., brilliant from your air fryer, they become sort of sweet and rather addictive. And as is true with most things, uh, true enough to make it a principle of cooking, brown is flavor almost without exception. And as close as possible to the moment when something goes past brown to black, the better it's going to taste. It's the caramelization, the browning of the natural sugars in the food, right? That complex interplay of sugar and amino acid that's responsible, say, for the crust on a great steak. But to your tongue, it's all the same. It's great flavor. Now, Brussels sprouts, going back a moment, belong to a plant group called brassica, uh, cauliflower, broccoli, cabbage. And these vegetables happen to be extraordinarily, remarkably resistant to burning, Because I throw my cauliflower florets in a 500-degree oven or in my 450-degree air fryer oven, and I roast it until it's super golden, and I think it just tastes better. And I happen to cook it on a high heat that way because it retains its texture. It doesn't become soft and limp over a long cooking process, but rather it gets great caramelization while the stems just get tender. And Brussels sprouts are the same way. You just cook the heck out of them and toss them with some balsamic vinegar and reduce that vinegar down a bit. And I think that's the gospel to preach about Brussels sprouts. Now, in advance of this conversation, I researched what is the most loved Brussels sprout dish across the country. And David Chang, culinary hero of Momofuku, of course, has the recipe that reigns supreme. So he cooks a bunch of bacon cut into matchsticks. He fries it up in a skillet and then the sprouts are caramelized and roasted in the rendered bacon fat. He squirts a little bit of sriracha. He adds a juice of a lime. So you get that tart, sweet, rich, bacony goodness. And I've made his recipe and it's fabulous and it takes about 15 minutes. And That certainly would be beautiful to grace your Thanksgiving table. Uh, They're just as good with a little olive oil and balsamic. Or you can add in some honey to offset the bite of the vinegar and a sprig of thyme. You could actually make a glaze of balsamic vinegar and honey, air fry your Brussels sprouts, and then just toss them in a, a serving bowl before they get to the table. Now, I like some shallot thrown in there as well. Um, You could um, just thinly slice it, in fact, and throw it in with the Brussels sprouts, uh, and you'll get even more wonderful caramelization. But I do recommend that you buy the bag of cleaned Brussels for use of ease. And if they're not halved already, have them, please, because the ones that I've been finding lately are gargantuan. Some chefs consider blanching them in boiling water 
if they are super big until they're crisp tender and then finish them in the oven. If you like them a little more tender, that's often the way to go. I, I have seen everything, by the way. Uh, let's see, buffalo, Brussels sprouts. Uh, they were actually really good. I made them. Brussels sprouts doused with buffalo sauce and finished with crumbled blue, right? Um, and then, of course, you can break the brussel down. I happen to love shaved Brussels sprouts in a salad um, with a bright lemon vinaigrette and lots of Parmesan cheese. You can use that Parmesan when you're roasting as well. If you want to Parmesan crust those Brussels, the cheese gets really golden and crispy and they are very craveable. Or you can use my newest hack or trick to peeling the leaves off the Brussels um, because one of the points of contention when it comes to Brussels sprouts is the prep work, right? So to get over that hurdle, this is what you do. You trim off the bottom or root end and you place the Brussels sprout bulbs in a large bowl, preferably like a metal mixing bowl, and you cover it with another bowl on top and then you shake like as hard as you would your very chilled martini. And the two bowls and the friction there separate the leaves from the core. And then you have all these lovely Brussels sprout leaves. And then you can throw those in the air fryer. And in five minutes or less with some uh, grated Parmesan, you have a beautiful Brussels sprout dish. Those could even be served with a cocktail to start. And then you could dig into the big feast. You'll find Brussels sprout inspiration, by the way, at chefjamie.com. So please check it out. And then don't touch your dial because as promised, she is the modern hippie, as they call her, and her award-winning and much-loved blog of the same name uh, has now the pleasure of being an Amazon bestseller because her cookbook, The Modern Hippie Table, has released. And so we're going to eat and live beautifully with her, Lauren Thomas, coming up. Also, before the end of the hour, a reminder for you um, to eat right. The CEO and president of American Humane is joining us. Dr. Robin Gansert will be here. So stay tuned because there is lots more fabulous food in your radio. Chef Jamie Gwen with you and happy to be. Don't go away. your cooking skills to the next level just by staying tuned. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Let's sit down, take a deep breath, a new approach. Doesn't that sound novel? An Amazon number one best new release is getting rave reviews and deservedly so. You see, Lauren Thomas is the author of the popular blog, The Modern Hippie Way. She writes about food, entertaining, fashion, and travel, and she's 
fabulous. In her debut collection, she shares her favorite dishes, her family's favorites, her friends' favorites that can be easily prepared for entertaining because she has a love affair with hosting. Everything from the flowers to the linens to the beautiful surfaces to her recipes made from scratch and some store-bought to homemade will make every occasion beautiful. And so she shares beautiful insight and delicious inspiration in the modern hippie table. It's fresh and it's relaxed and it's gorgeous. And I can't wait to share her with you. Ladies and gentlemen, I am delighted to welcome Lauren Thomas to the radio, the modern hippie table. Lauren, congratulations. This is an absolutely exquisite book. And and I use those words sparingly because uh, your book is a standout. You make you make me feel like a million bucks. Well, deservedly so. But I'll tell you, you have this really very beautiful approach, right? And and you write about it in the introduction, not two pages in. I love that you are so intentional, and I love that you encourage slowing down. We all have days and times in a day and times in our lives where we wish we could do that or we make time to do it or we aspire to. But even reading through your book, I felt like I took a deep breath. And I mean that as a compliment. That, that's the biggest compliment because when I have guests in my home, I really, really want them to feel like you felt when you read the pages of my book. It's take a deep breath be transported into a place that you're really present. And mm. that, that is why, where the genesis of the, of the term modern hippie comes from. It's not a granola uh, term back to, you know, uh, um, an era of style. Uh, it's more of just, you know, of, of back, going back in time to slowing down, um, showing up for each other at the dinner table, um, and just kind of being present wherever you are so that you aren't the person who's constantly saying, where did the time go? And, you know, oh, it goes so fast. And, and oh, I forgot the pickled onions, right? And <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there. I wonder, with the holidays approaching, you are the consummate hostess. Can you give mm-hmm. us some tips and tricks before we dig into deliciousness as to how you center yourself when you go to host a big feast or two friends or um, the whole block? Well, it does begin with intention. So, you know, I mean, obviously gatherings aren't always planned ahead. Sometimes they're a couple days before or the day of. But either way, you want to make sure of one thing, and that's that you show up for your guests Hmm. because that's the only way you can expect them to show up for you and for everyone to to really have a good time. Mm -hmm. So it goes beyond the food on the table. And I would just say that the biggest, um, you know, form of respect that you can give anyone, whether it's your family or your guests, is just that gift of planning ahead. Yes. Um, You know, and, and like your guests aren't walking in the door and you're just kind of a mess throwing things together still and you're really not present and they're stressed and you're stressed. So really it's all about just conscious, some conscious planning ahead. You don't have to have everything done, but I really talk about some strategy when you plan a meal or a, you know, gathering that yes. you're going to host. 
there are tips and things you can do beforehand so that it takes the stress off of you and then you all show up, you have fun, and then you want to keep doing it. So that's really the key. It does perpetuate the desire to entertain when you've had a success or success after success. And you do share really enlightened ideas in the book about the tablescape and setting the mood and the groove. And I love your, your pages are just gorgeous in the book, but your table settings and the way that you design, I really appreciate. Uh, It doesn't all have to match. You can do a, a mix, right? And I try to inspire that as well. Go to your cabinets, go to your garage and, and pick things that blend together for your Thanksgiving table, right? Yes. And my inspiration comes a lot from my husband is a, well, he's an international architect Mm. and he really believes that a space has a soul Mm. and he's, he's all about um, minimalism and loves to, you know, like a mid-century modern style. Yes. And so, so I really kind of take from, you know, he, he's always, you know, he doesn't love to have a, a bunch of stuff. We don't have an attic of storage. We don't have a bunch of, so, you know, I have two pots and two pans and one set of dishes. And, you know, so it's, it's, there's a lot that can be done without having, you know, a hoarding, (laughs) um, you know, session in your garage. Yes. Um, And and that's really what I wanted to show people is that you can use the seasons and nature around you too. Mm to really decorate. Oh, branches of eucalyptus on your table. I love that. Yeah. I love those yeah, yeah. muted tones and the, the smoke yeah. on the leaves. I mean, it's just beautiful. Um, of the things you don't have, uh, maybe we should eat dessert first because life is uncertain. Um, I know from reading through the pages of the modern hippie table, you don't own an electric mixer. Kudos to you. No. <laughs> that's, that's a bowl and a whisk, girlfriend. Yeah, I'm just not a gadget person. Gadgets take up space. They get used, you know, um, some more than others. But I just, I know air fryers can be great. I know, you know, um, mixers or I, I have one. Um, you don't use it. But I, I just haven't used it in years. And I I have a juicer. I haven't used it in years. <laughs> I, I, you know, try to eat whole fruits and whole vegetables. But it's just it it takes up space and all this stuff can be done in your kitchen without having so much stuff and that and that's really your purpose and and I think it's beautiful that you're sharing it with the world let's start there you make an easy bunt cake Uh, it's one of the hit recipes from the cookbook it's being talked about on the internet it's brilliantly basic right but you say everybody loves it so basic but everybody loves it so it's sort of like the you know what can can I bring something and people say oh gosh yeah can you bring a dessert sure it's one of those things that you can just do you know without a lot of notice it's super easy I mean I I really spent time on the icing recipe because the cake was just so easy so I really wanted a mixture of things that people could just whip up and be simple and then things that took a a little bit more time. Okay, Lauren, if you would please pause there. You're making me hungry. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, more recipes for eating simply and living beautifully from the modern hippie table. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. 
if you just tuned in, you're late because Lauren Thomas and I are dishing. Lauren is the modern hippie, a place, as she describes, where old meets new and simple meets sophisticated, fancy meets fun. And the modern hippie table is a place you want to be and ever present. And the book, the cookbook Lauren just released, an Amazon number one new release. It's fabulous. So stay tuned because this culinary conversation continues and you want a seat at the table. The icing, by the way, is really smart. It's sweetened condensed milk based, right? And it's, yes. it's a boiled icing. So you bring it up to temperature, cool it mm-hmm. down, and then frost. Um, and doesn't right. the icing make the cake anyways, right? I mean, it does. it's the best it part. Does. And then I just love to get creative with my toppings. Like for my vegan donuts, I use dried rose petals, edible rose petals. Yes. Um, instead of sprinkles. And, you know, icing is just fun. It is. It is. The vegan donuts were created for vegan friends, I know, from the introduction, but non-vegans love them. It's sort of like my baked fried chicken. You know, people don't realize, oh, this is, you mean this isn't fried? And, you know, and, and the same thing with the donut, you know, donuts, this donut is baked not fried. And the only thing that makes it vegan, well, there's a couple things, obviously, in the icing too, but it's just the absence of the egg and um, the addition of, you can, you can use a flax, uh, you know, flax seed for, for eggs. And in my case, I use applesauce. It's just that binding ingredient that can be, that acts as an egg and then, you know, nut milk for the, uh, the icing. So it really, it, it tastes like a mini cake and, and it's delicious and yeah, my kids love them. Oh, love it. Love it. Love it. I found a couple dishes that I'll tell you, I would like to add to my Thanksgiving menu uh, that are a little think outside the box, mm-hmm. but very much appreciating the rusticity of the season. I don't think people embrace cabbage enough. And your mm. roasted red cabbage, almost like a steak, right? Like you would do a cauliflower steak with yep. gorgonzola and hazelnuts. That looks mm-hmm. luscious to me. Yeah, it's decadent. But, you know, when you're doing something like a roasted chicken or steak on the grill, that doesn't take a lot of time, you know, um, you know, effort, if you will. Sometimes it's nice to, to experiment with sides. I mean, a lot of us have grew up with parents who did or or we ourselves make the same five sides over and over. Oh, the you know? same and, vegetable um, all the time. The same vegetable. Yes. I mean, for me in the book, the zucchini with um, the cheesy zucchini with, I grew up on that. It was a staple in our house, mm. um, but it had to go in the book because it was just such a, you know, a, I, I never realized I was eating vegetables, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the cabbage it's, you, it's really about experimenting with flavors, and I, I do enjoy roasted red, uh, um, I'm sorry, braised red cabbage, but I feel like that's the only way that people know how to use that, or raw in a coleslaw or something. So this was just a way to experiment with flavors and dress up a otherwise intimidating vegetable, and it's so delicious, and especially with the drizzle of honey. Oh, and you've got the bitterness of the cabbage and that bright, beautiful purple color, which I think would offset all the heartiness of a Thanksgiving feast, right? Mm-hmm. There's just mm-hmm. something really 
lovely about yeah. the the crunch and the chew and and all of that good stuff. The yeah. winterberry yeah. salad, I know Grace is your Christmas table, but I think that would be beautiful at any holiday meal. Well, I mean, listen, we've got berries are in season more than the holidays. Yeah. We, yes. <laughs> we make that salad often. Oh, you it's do. It's so delicious. Oh, nice. And um mm. but it's beautiful. I called it a winterberry salad because you know, it really when it comes down to the holidays, we really try to put an extra effort in presentation of food. Yes. And then of course there are leftovers. And I was so mm-hmm. delighted that you reminded everyone of the fabulous frittata. I think a frittata is meant to be a quote use it up kind of dish. Mm-hmm. Unquote, right? So you make a skillet frittata from leftovers and that's perfect for the day after Thanksgiving or for weekend it is, brunch. Or anything. Yes. You know, I'm not a leftovers person, but when you think of leftovers, you automatically think, oh, you have to reheat this the next night for dinner. If you think about it outside the box yeah. and you think, well, this could make a delicious, you know, omelet or frittata, you really can put so much, um, you know, and make such a balanced meal out of, out of frittatas. And we, you know, my uncle... We used to travel and go skiing, and we'd go to Bahamas, and he was always famous for making, you know, we'd say, oh, what's Uncle What's Uncle going to make for breakfast? Well, then we'd think, what did we have for dinner last night? And it would always be so delicious, hmm. and that changed my perception of leftovers. Isn't that nice when that happens? You talked about use sausage or spinach or mushrooms, and I'm thinking, I'm going to have sausage and spinach and mushrooms leftover from yes. the big feast, right? And so what a glorious way to combine all yeah, of those even flavors. Stuffing. Yes. Even stuffing. I mean, let's face it, stuffing is just bread that has soaked up fresh herbs. Mm. You know, some people might use egg in it. Whatever it is, I mean, eggs really are so universal in what we can put in them. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, mm. how delicious would stuffing taste when it's crisp mm. in a frittata? Mm. Okay, stuffing frittata. You need to start writing a new book, Lauren. <laughs> there's there's your first recipe, stuffing frittata. I, I will test that for you and let you know how it turns out. Before I let you go, we, we started at the end. We went from dessert to breakfast, my kind of conversation. Um, but I'd like to toast you with a whiskey for the holidays. And there's this wonderful guide to drinking whiskey in the book because you are a whiskey girl. I didn't have intentions for it when I was writing the manuscript, but I did want it to be a fun approach um, to, you know, it's not just a book for women, but I really liked teaching women how to do things that are traditionally considered a man's job or in the, you know, grilling or in this case, whiskey is considered a gentleman's drink. Right. And that really is because it dates back to the 1700s when, you know, whiskey was associated with infidelity and brothels, and mm-hmm. that's where it received those connotations. Nowadays, you know, women are associated with drinking all kinds of liquor, primarily martinis and wine, but it, it wasn't, it isn't so much the whiskey as it is sipping anything that is pure and like a um, it, pure in nature, there's an art to it, you know, using all of your senses. And uh, no matter whether you're eating good food or drinking um, fine whiskey or good wine, you really 
just want to use all your senses to take mm-hmm. something in. And that really was what it's about. And that takes us back to your whole directive of being present and inviting all yeah. of us to take a moment to have meaningful conversation and come together with good food, to be seen and heard, as you say, and to enjoy the party. Uh, Exactly. The book is so you, Lauren. It is so fabulous. (laughs) It really is. Well, I thank you for saying that. I really think that it's such a lost art to to create a space for your family, especially where you prioritize. I mean, listen, I'm a mom too. I've got kids that are in travel sports and running in different directions and a busy husband. And, but I really think that, um, that, that a way to peace in the world is, is by individual families Mm. showing up for their, for their children and letting them feel seen and and heard. Mm. What a beautiful thought. I hope that I can pay it forward and that each person that touches the modern hippie table will take uh, a moment to sit back and think about that and pay it forward as well. So to bring peace through your book, what a a beautiful thought. Modern Mm -hmm. hippie celebrates a way of living and entertaining an intentional series of moments at home. uh, And it is those inspired ideas of Lauren Thomas's um, that might just change your perspective. This is a book Mm. to add to your collections. It's entitled The Modern Hippie Table. It is an Amazon number one, uh, and rightfully so, the best Mm. new release. Um, And it would make a beautiful gift at the holidays. It would make uh, a lovely place on your coffee table, on your kitchen counter, as a stocking stuffer for someone whom you know loves to cook and entertain. Please check it out. Mm -hmm. Um, On Amazon, it's entitled The Modern Hippie Table. The author, Lauren Thomas. Lauren Thomas is the author, lifestyle blogger, fashionista, and more, sharing fresh, relaxed, entertaining and delicious dishes. Check it out. The Modern Hippie Table. Lauren, what a pleasure. Thank you for being here. Cheers to you. you To a whiskey at five o'clock. Oh, the same to you. Thank you. Thank thank you you. so much for having me. There's lots more fabulous food in your radio with great culinary thinkers right after the break. Don't touch your dial. Chef Jamie Gwen. Be right back. arsenal of delicious and inspiring ideas every weekend chef jamie gwen in your radio today more than ever food lovers great cooks and those that appreciate the planet are conscious of where our food comes from we want good healthy food right and we want to support the farmers and the ranchers who do things right so this holiday season make humane choices It's all about choosing ethically, humanely sourced, the proteins, the dairy, and more. 
And to help consumers shop and set a humane table, American Humane CEO and president and author of the new American Humane cookbook, Dr. Robin Gansert is here. And I am delighted. Robin, welcome and happy holiday season to you. Happy holidays to you too. <laughs> and let's make this holiday season a humane one. Yes, I really very much appreciate your approach because I will tell you as a professional chef and a food lover... I, I I do appreciate and love the big roast and the Thanksgiving turkey and all of those lovely things. And I love my eggs in the morning and my yogurt following that. But mm-hmm. what you speak to, what you are committed to, your cause, is really about making the right choices no matter what you choose to eat. And you call it uh, Cooking with compassion, and I love that. So dig deeper for us and, and give us some background as to how you make those choices right every day. Oh, well, thank you. And, you know, first of all, I love my humane home. Hmm. My home is with my children. We have animals. We love animals, and we love making a difference in our world. And uh, many of our discussions about what is to be humane comes around the dinner table, where we're enjoying eggs or, you know, one of our beautiful quiches. We're enjoying the smoked chicken paprika, you know, uh, recipe that's in the book. We enjoy animal protein. And what we are so fortunate is that the organization that I have the privilege of leading, American Humane, is our country's oldest national humane organization. But it also gave us, over 20 years ago, the country's very first humane farm program. We actually go and have gone to farms and ranches over 20 plus years now to certify animals in those farms, elevating their standards of care and ensuring that they have a humane life. And that makes me very happy knowing that we impact well over 1 billion farm animals. And that allows me to enjoy my butterball turkey on Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) So for me, it's very important knowing that the animal's uh, that I uh, are in my care are humanely raised, and that's important. Just define for us what it means to be American Humane Certified, please. Thank you. Thank you. So American Humane Certified, again, our country's very first farm animal certification program began in the year 2000. The standards for farmers and ranchers who voluntarily agree to participate in this program are actually built by scientists leading veterinarians, some of the best scientists in the world, and ethicists who come together and decide how it is to be humane for a chicken, for a cow, for a pig. Uh, They define those standards, again, rooted in solid science and evidence-based practices, and importantly, blessed by an ethicist. So I love the fact that these standards, again, are, um, are out there. They're provided thanks to our scientific advisory committee at American Humane. Yeah, I think then it's smart. those incredible, innovative farmers and ranchers who step up and voluntarily say, we are treating our animals humanely and we welcome American Humane to come and be our independent verifier that we follow their standards. And that is incredible. This program has grown from 50 million animals back in 2010 now to well over 1 billion animals here in 2022. So that goes to tell you that both consumers are asking for it and farmers and ranchers are providing. I love that you're highlighting 
these farmers and ranchers in the cookbook. It only took you 150 years, Robin, to uh, come out with a first cookbook. Now, didn't it? <laughs> it did. It did. I hope our next one will be in the next five years. Yes. So we don't have to wait 150 more. I hope so, too. <laughs> we use it as a platform to actually educate people as to what it is to be humane. So yes. people who enjoy animal protein know you can have a beautiful beautiful humane table at your home with your children your family your friends that celebrates your values of compassion kindness and love the book is beautiful and for anyone who loves to cook and those that feel um, very responsible for what we consume american humane is the country's first national humane organization the world's largest certifier of animal welfare founded in 1877 run by the great Dr. Robin Gansert, as you just heard. And the book is entitled The Humane Table, Cooking with Compassion. Thank you for bringing us into your home and your dishes and for doing the right thing. I'm proud to support that. Thank you. And happy holidays to all. And may we all celebrate cooking with compassion every day. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of gastronomic inspiration And I know coming up this week for the big feast, you will cook like a chef and bake like a pro just because you tuned in, right? A meal is a terrible thing to waste. So please join me every weekend as we celebrate together throughout the holidays. As promised at the start of the show, this is my last bite for the hour. It's my last ounce or tidbit of culinary inspiration. It's usually a three, four, or five ingredient recipe because you're busy, life is short, and there's no reason to sacrifice fabulous food. I am still loving apple season, and this is a wonderful salad to grace your Thanksgiving table, to pair with pork or chicken, to add to any menu, because manchego cheese and apples are perfect partners. It's an apple and manchego salad, and you very simply slice your favorite apple thinly, And toss it with a little bit of lemon juice. You can use pineapple juice, by the way, for less tart flavor. And then I cut the manchego into matchsticks. And I combine the two in a beautiful bowl. I drizzle with a little olive oil, salt, and pepper. And you have this beautiful apple and manchego salad. Just three ingredients. I will post it on social media at Chef Jamie Gwen, where I hope you'll become a friend and a fan and that you'll continue to tune in. Allow me a moment to thank you, uh, especially at Thanksgiving. This is my sincere appreciation. I am deeply thankful for 20 years this year on national radio and your support and your friendship throughout the years has given me an opportunity to share what I love and my passion. And for that, I am truly grateful. I send my best wishes to you for a healthy, happy, delicious Thanksgiving. And I will meet you here next weekend when I guarantee there is so much good food to talk about. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. (laughs) 